This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, we are going to show you how to start, sustain, and succeed in having your own retail store and then taking it online. I have the owners of Nilu Gift Shop located right there in Harlem. Katrina and Mark, welcome to the show, and tell me, did I get it right? Is it Harlem, or is it uh, the new Manhattan? Let me know. I know Harlem's gone over some changes. It, it was Harlem, it is Harlem, and it will always be Harlem. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> okay, okay. I d- just got to, you know, because I know you have some new neighbors, um, and they'll say... No, no, no. no, those are not neighbors. Those are infiltrators. This is Harlem. It will always be Harlem. Will Don't you guys stop, have stop. <laughs> You know, when I saw the story, I really loved it because I know how hard it is just to get real real retail space anywhere, but especially in New York and especially where you're located and holding on to it. I mean, many people, you know, are still hustling on the street, even though they harass them. Can you talk about how your gift shop started and where it started. Did it always start in the retail store or did it start, you know, out the trunk or at the, you know, the local, you know, conference or events? Um, well, Nylu started actually from storefront. We, Mark and I have been business partners and entrepreneurs for over um, 20 years. And so we had a floral business for 15 years, which is the location that Nilu sits today. So when we sold our floral business in 2015, a short five months later, we opened up Nilu in the same retail space. Awesome. And when you guys did it together, when you started together, were you already married or were you dating or did one person start it and then the other one said, I can add to this vision? How did that happen? No, we we um we had been engaged at that point. We hadn't been married as of yet. No, we hadn't been. Um, but, but we were we were living together, and and uh, Katrina was running her flower shop out of our apartment. So that meant getting up in the morning and stepping over the roses and the 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 calla lilies. And um, she had the early morning trips down to the flower market, uh, which meant you know getting up at six o'clock you know, in the morning. So, you know, there, there was some pain when we were together before we moved into a store. Somebody heard this and is going to be like, oh, wow, that sounds like coming to America. You had rose petals and everything on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that, not quite like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't have no women coming up in the pool, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, how has it been being a couple and, you know, working together, living together? My wife and I do it as well. And, you know, people always ask, like, I couldn't do that with my spouse. And I'm thinking, it's really not that difficult. I mean, you're going to deal with them anyway, and they're going to know about your business. So how have you guys been able to manage that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> it's, it's been, you know, it, it definitely has its challenges. I think that, you know, it's a good pairing because you know, we do complement each other in terms of our skill set. So that always works. And, you know, I mean, it's definitely challenging. Yeah. I I mean, just to put it out there, I mean, you know, you know, 
Katrina reminds us that a big part of our relationship is based on business. Um, and, and so we don't really, you know, have that much time in our relationship to say this was not business related. So, so that, you know, it puts a heavy burden because, you know, you know, at some point we do need to separate, you know, our personal life from the business life uh, at some point, but it's been, it's been, a, it's been challenging. Now, I'm glad you said it, Mark. Are, are both of you from New York? Uh, I'm from I'm from Westchester, which is a hour outside of the city, and Katrina's from uh, Massachusetts. Okay, so I, I I can take off the kit gloves. I don't have to be gentle. Um, I, I really think I mean our marriages. I mean, aren't they business? When I told my wife when I met her, she was like 18, and um, of course we're still you know just 19 right now, right? With, yeah. with, but I said, this is going to be like Sprint and Nextel coming together. This is business. And I want to do business and life with you. And that's the way I connect personally. I'm from Oakland. So it's just, you know, either you're beneficial or you're in the way. And so I, I totally get you when you say that. Do people ever look at you two as being weird? Or they're only together because they have this business and without the business, you know, they couldn't stand each other? I don't think so. I mean, I think at the end of the day, we genuinely like each other. I mean, most at the, at, at the end of most days, we genuinely like each other. But, you know, I, I feel like, you know, um, I, I don't mean, that, that's an interesting question. I don't know if we can answer that. But I mean, I'd like to think that, you know, we uh, before, uh, before and above all business that, you know, people see, they get it. I mean, they always say we look alike. So <laughs> I, I don't know, but, you know, I, I think that. Yeah, they think we, we, we brothers and sisters, right? Because we like, you know, how it is light-skinned people, right? We all look, uh, look alike, yeah. right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. We, we do a lot of home entertaining. So it's like people get to see us outside of the context of business as well. So I think that they have a little, you know, our, our, our intimate friend group. So they really have a, uh, an insight into who we are outside of business as well. Yeah, we, we definitely, people do acknowledge that, wow, you know, you guys are entrepreneurs. You guys are you're trying to make it work. You do, you're on your own path. And I think a lot of people admire being on your own path. Um, they, they realize there's a lot of risk uh, involved and they also admire the fact that we're taking risks. So I don't think people look at us as weird. If anything, they, they would like to figure out how to, how to do that transition from being in that corporate situation to being in a situation like this. And since you guys have proven, you know, over two decades of being able to do this, do you offer any type of consulting, counseling uh, courses to show others, you know, those um, steps that you took? Yeah, we, we do it on, a, on an informal and a formal basis. On the informal, you know, our door is open, bro. I mean, anytime when people want to come in and they and they're, they're trying to kick off, you know, you know, their their business as it relates to what we do as a gift shop, let's say they're a maker or an artist who's trying to figure out how to take it to the next level. We're always there to answer questions because that's, you know, that's what this is about. Right. Uh, but then Katrina, um, she has a, a relationship with Columbia university. They have a small business initiative program and, uh, and, and you, you know, Katrina goes out and provides advice at, you know, at a more of a professional, you know, business level. Awesome, awesome. And Miss Katrina, where in Massachusetts are you from? Uh, I grew up in a, well, what used to be a small town called Foxborough, where the Patriots play. Uh, 
So that's where that's where my roots are. I come from a large family. I'm the youngest of nine. So prior to being in Foxborough, my family was in Boston proper and Roxbury. Okay, okay. I just asked. My wife and I got married in Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, there. Okay, yeah. Yes. And, and, and so yeah, I just just wanted to clarify, you know, because Massachusetts is one of those states that's that sometimes if you're not from New England or Mass, you know, wherever, people say there's black people there. Like, yeah, there's a ton of them. I got that a lot when I went to school. <laughs> so what do you two think, you know, the uh, biggest challenges during this COVID time, you know, we don't know what's open, what's not, you know, um, what has been the challenge and how have you adapted to that challenge? Well, it, I ain't gonna lie, man, it's, it's, it's been devastating. Um, um, but what we decided was to focus on our mindset. Um, you know, our mindset is like, look, you know, we can't sit and wait for government checks to come through. We can't sit and wait for uh, COVID to, to um, uh, you know, uh, go away. Um, we had to really focus on what we could do. And that was to try to emerge with the different brands. So that's what we ended up doing. We actually, you know, reached out to uh, our, our community of people that can help us kind of rethink our business a little bit and, and not get too caught up in what we can and cannot do. Just kind of just have this mentality that this is not going to be forever and, and, and move forward. Now we're not ignoring the reality around us, um, but we just couldn't, um, you know, just, just, you know, put our head in the sand and, 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 and kind of wait for better times. So, so that's been our, our biggest thing. It's just our mindset. I'd like to add, it was truly a moment of, you know, as an entrepreneur, you always have these leap of faiths that you have to take if you want to grow. And I definitely say that COVID put us in a position of a leap of faith of, of deciding if this is something that, you know, we felt still had sustainability and whether we had the sustainability of continuing it as well. And I think that one thing that we've always believed in was what we were doing and that, uh, as far as um, providing a platform for makers, not only in Harlem, but beyond. And, you know, the whole thing about the, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, kind of solidified that for us because now it's like, okay, we, we as people of color, we know how to, you know, get by with, you know, with little, you know, that, that's our history. We've always done that for, so for, I feel like, for, for black entrepreneurs, being able to do more with less has always been our, you know, our, mm -hmm. our thing. So, you know, having to, you know, double down and say, okay, listen, this is what, we still believe that we have a good product. We still believe that our initiative and that, you know, providing a platform for, for makers is just as important, if not now, you know, more so than ever. So we decided that we were going to go with it. You know, we were going to double down and we were going to pursue and we were going to, you know, just do what we could do. And I know you have the online store. Has that been able to, you know, get even half the numbers? Like, have you been able to take the audience to online where they're just or ordering online and maybe just picking up from the store or delivery? Have, has that adjustment been a, by now, a smooth one? No, no, it hasn't um, because we decided we didn't want to just slap up a, a website. We really wanted to rethink our brand and how we communicate and engage with uh, our, our, our tribe, if you will. And 
that took a long time to get it right. And I think we got it there and we launched it um, officially uh, a few weeks ago. And yes, but since we launched it, definitely we've seen um, a lot of, you know, a lot of orders coming in. We've seen a lot of potential going up. Uh, I think it's for two reasons. One is, you know, people wanted to show love to our business and, and they also realized that, you know, COVID might be coming around again in New well, York or it is coming around again. And, and that would be our second wave. We got to shut down. So I think people want to show love there. And then the, sec the second reason is we also branched out outside of Harlem just a little bit to focus on makers in Detroit and L.A. and Atlanta and, and kind of curate, you know, from those cities. And I think people are curious about how we're doing that. Now, you know, the government loans for business are made for businesses like yours, um, retail shops. Not the folks, some folks, we know a lot of folks are scamming. You know, even the Lakers try to get a piece and right, they right. gave it back. Um, and we know that a lot of folks are going to be fine and go to jail. There's a great Forbes ma uh, magazine article on it about two months ago. Um, have you, though, even been able to benefit off these, you know, loans that were meant for companies like yours? Yes, yes, we you know, kind of going back to that mindset I shared earlier, as soon as there was even a hint that, you know, some money might be coming in, we were already on the website, kind of like, you know, how the radio show, when you, you want to be the, you want to be the fifth caller, you know, we're kind of on it, right? And we were lucky to be in that first round of the PPP. Um, but what we decided to do, and I, I know this is going to be broadcast, but I'm just going to put it out there. We didn't necessarily follow all the rules and guidelines, you know, because you can only use it for this and only use it for that. Um, we needed to use it just to survive. But there's a lot of people we do with makers and creatives, people who, you know, hustle through vending on the street. They're not getting PP, uh, PPP, right? Mm -hmm. So we actually use some of our money to buy inventory from those people so that that money can kind of circulate within our community, Right. So, so we did get it, we did benefit, but we also wanted to, you know, kind of share it with, you know, some of our makers so they can get going too. And was it enough? No. <laughs> it's never enough. No, no, it wasn't enough. And, and we're, we're working with other local um, programs to uh, apply and to get additional, additional funding. Okay, no, that have you before, you know, this whole COVID thing, have you guys used like the SBA or SCORE or anything, any of those government, um, you know, organizations out there that the SBA always has, you know, pretty much guaranteed loans for entrepreneurs if you want to follow their rules. So were you already, have you already used them where they knew you? No, no, no. We, uh, back in the day when we started, uh, the flower business, the floral business, we actually worked through uh, an empowerment zone that came through, um, you know, back in, the, I think, the 90s. And, and we leveraged that. Um, but outside of that, it was, you know, our own money, bar, you know, and, and, and some bank loan, like line of credit from a bank, uh, but never SBA. Okay. And, and, you know, people hear us talking about money all day, and we really want to inspire others, especially with you know, retail, because retail is not easy. I mean, it's no. your second home, if not your first home. Before, you know, you had the shop, what jobs did you have or what other businesses did you have to get the retail 
because some folks probably look at you and say, oh, you're so lucky you guys were born rich with the silver spoon and, you know, with that Kennedy money. And, and Mark, you look famous. I don't know who you look like. It's not iced tea. So it's not just another. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you look like you, you might have had an acting role or two. So what right. were some of the jobs that you, you guys did so you could get this retail store? So we, um, for me, I was in human resources for for 13 years prior to doing, prior to even doing the flower shop. I was doing that for many years, even though, even during uh, human resources in 2005, I, I had a small business called uh, Real Life Cards that I handmade, you know, uh, greeting cards, but, you know, nothing, you know, nothing extraordinary, nothing, you know, all that lucrative. I think that, I mean, Initially, when we started the flower business, we used a quick stories is that we wanted to buy a place in Harlem. But in the uh, in the late 90s, uh, there started to be, you know, that in that uh, uptick of uh, Harlem being gentrified, to be quite honest. I mean, there was this whole big thing about Clinton having his office in Harlem. And I think real estate developers took that and ran, you know, Harlem is the place to be. It took quite some time for uh, commercial and amenities to follow through with the real estate, you know, bust that was happening in the early 90s. So we got priced out of, of a lot of our opportunity, real estate opportunities rather quickly. But Mark and I really knew that we wanted to be in Harlem and make an investment in it. So we had taken our money, our house money, and invested it in the floral business. So, you know, we, we saved. It was, that was one of those leap of faiths, if you will, you know, that started it all. And we've always been very, um, very conservative as it relates to building our businesses and investing in our business. You know, there's some, you know, not rules, but things that we follow. You know, we, we, we put testers out there and we always, you know, Mark has a saying, let the numbers show us. So, you know, before we went to the next step, we'd have to have some type of proof in uh, process and, and what we were doing. And if it showed, you know, that it was going to be lucrative or it was going to, that it was positive, then we then uh, followed through with making more and an investment, uh, you know, whether it was florals or inventory, but we've always kind of had that uh, philosophy that, you know, don't dive in completely, test it out, see what happens. If it works, then proceed. Awesome. And Mark, yourself? Oh, um, so I've always been in technology. Uh, so I worked for, you know, big companies, uh, for, for many years. And, um, and then at, at, in the evening I would be helping out Katrina. So, so, you know, she's the creative talent and I brought in, um, I guess you could say the business side of things. So even though I'm not great with numbers, you know, I was more comfortable with spreadsheets and helping to do business plans and marketing and things of that nature. And then in, um, 2004, I stopped working for, uh, corporations and started working uh, for myself and Katrina more full-time. Okay. And, and what uh, part of tech were you in front end, back end? What, what type of tech did you do? Well, it was, I'm actually a, a project and a program manager. So pretty much I, I floated, you know, front or back end. Uh, I worked with infrastructure teams as well as application development teams. Uh, and I worked with, um, marketing and HR teams, you know, to kind of redefine some business processes. So 
you know, I've been, you know, pretty comfortable, you know, with just being in that environment and helping taking that and applying it to our situation so that, you know, we could be as, um, as efficient as we can be as a small business. And can you both talk about how it feels to be an entrepreneur, not have to clock in, not have to take a 30 minute or an hour lunch and explain why you were two minutes late. Can you, <laughs> you know, give folks who are maybe on the edge that push to say, just go for it. Like our great president and my Irish twin down the street says, what do you have to lose? Um, can you tell, talk about the feeling that is every day you wake up and you go to sleep of being an entrepreneur? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I mean, it's it's like everything. It's got its ebbs and flows. It's the hardest that you will ever work, but the most rewarding part of it is that you're doing it for yourself. I mean, you know, my lunch break is is when it is, but I'll be, you know, some days I don't get a lunch break. You know, we wake up and it's, you don't, you don't ever, I mean, the good and the bad is, is that the good part is, yes, you have this, um, you have, you don't have a glass ceiling you have, you know, as high uh, as, as you can possibly go, you know, I mean, you, if that, that part is nice that nobody holds over your head what your destiny is, you know, it's kind of like the difference between renting and buying. No one can come. I, hold, I, I hold it over her head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but she don't can, like that, but I hold it over her head. Yeah. <laughs> nobody can come to your house and tell you, you know, we're, we're taking over our property. I mean, you are in control of your, your destination. So with that, that can be, you know, you can have a very successful or you can, you know, end up, you know, destitute and broke. I mean, it's it's the catch 22 of things, you know, I mean, sometimes I wake up and, you know, I want to have a day off and I can't have a day off because it needs to get done. And I'm, you know, you're the one who gets it done. Mark and I, Nyla was named after our two children, Nigel and Luke, who were 13 and 15. So, you know, having children and raising a family while being entrepreneurs is, you know, I didn't get any uh, um, uh, disability or, you know, the kids were coming to the flower shop when they were small, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but I'll tell you what, um, once you go outside of that box, you never return, you never, there's, there's just no, you know, you become unfit to ever become, you know, uh, a person who works for anybody else again it's 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 actually, hard to describe actually actually you know Katrina got when we when we got rid of the flower business or about to get rid of it and and sell it uh Katrina actually said you know I don't want to be about that life no more and she yeah. actually started working in HR um real estate yeah I got a real estate license she got a real estate license which you know it's a little you know still a little bit entrepreneurial like right but that 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 didn't work that didn't last long <laughs> no, I mean, it, it lasted a year. I mean, I, it, it, I like that, to, to Mark's point, real estate has, you know, an entrepreneurial feel to it and that you are as, as successful as you put in the effort of doing so. You know, you work on your own time, you have your clients, right. but it was, but. It, yeah, but it was, <laughs> but. you know, it, it, it wasn't for, it, it wasn't for me. I mean, I still, I probably will still go back and get my real estate license again, because I just think it's a good thing to have. We, we own property and I want to make uh, future investments in real estate. So I think it would be behoove me to, to have a license. Um, so 
Um, I, I think uh, from, from my perspective, a, a couple of things I share consistently. One is uh, there's never a good time to transition. It's like there's never a good time to have a baby, baby right? right? It just, it, it just not, you just, but when you do, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, enjoy it. It's going to, you know, enjoy that ride. Um, and I think the other thing is the, the worst time you may ever have as your own entrepreneur will always, um, uh, will always be better than your worst time working for somebody else, because it's, it's all you. It's all you, so good or bad or evil, but but there's something about, yeah, you could be hating on customers or hating on vendors or, or, or you know, whatever it may be, but that never compares to when you're at a job and you got a boss leaning on your neck and, and it just, that just doesn't, it just doesn't prepare. Yeah, I love that. I love how, how y'all put that. Um, I, I, I just, I love it. I, I really think everyone should try. Everybody should write a book and everybody should try a business and see if it fits. Speaking about books or any type of even documentary series, you know, having a black owned flower shop. I know I've had previous guests on here who have been on Netflix, black man who own a flower shop, but in London, that's a, you know, it's a rare thing for black folks to have a flower shop at least I haven't heard many of us having it. Have you guys ever considered writing a book or, you know, making documentary type, you know, short about how we had this business and how it transitioned? Actually, no, I think we've been so involved in working uh, in our business that, you know, the, the phrase working in your business and working on your business that, you know, maybe, you know, and we always say we'll never retire side. No, the, 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 that hadn't occurred to us. Not yet. Okay. Yeah, just possible you try, idea. You trying to be our agent? You know, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I, I, I love to share the game, and it's just a natural thing. Uh, I'm a, my real job, I am a publicist and a consultant, and that's what I, I do. And I manage, you know, some other businesses as well that we own. Because I make a terrible employee, but my clients don't leave. They, they love me. But I have ideas. And I think that's the difference between entrepreneurs and folks who just clock in. Many corporations that I, I'm paid to be creative. And it's like, if you tell me I can only be creative between nine and five, um, we got an issue. And, you know, if I want to have wine right now, I want to have wine. And when I want to have my grapefruit juice. So it's just the freedom. And I think Black folks... In this country, we are so just used to, you know, in school, you got to do this, wear your hair like this, wear your hat like that. And so it just makes sense when we can be free to be free. So I love that you guys are given that game. Now, you guys have had success and you've mentioned um, some of them, um, community give backs previous. But can you talk about any other community give backs that you're doing or that you want to do in the future? Yeah. So, so one of the things that we're building up on now is, and I know this is a little bit more related to business and that is a lot of the makers, uh, you know, who make their own candles and soaps and, and things of that nature, they've, they've been struggling during COVID like, because they can't go into the, um, the markets, you know, that they used to go into and vent. So what we are doing is um, we're opening up our storefront and having them come in, but we're not charging any fees uh, whatsoever to vend in front so that they have an opportunity to make money 
you know, on their own and to, and to use our foot traffic to help, um, you know, test out their product and to help, you know, understand their piece. That, that's one thing that we're, we're doing and we're ramping and we're ramping up. Um, uh, the other is I, I, we want to do more in the art space. Yeah, yeah we want to, you know, support a lot of the young artists um, that are out there that are, you know, like you said, they, they you know, they're, they're, they're trying to find their way in this world and they want to be an artist. And now with COVID, it shuts down a lot of resources. So we want to partner with a lot of the local Harlem organizations like um, that are out here in Harlem and figure out how we could. Um, you know, bring awareness to to artists, young artists and their development. I mean, to, to further that, um, uh, we do have a, a I, ha I personally have a, a special affinity for the artist in that um, there's some artists that we've worked with where we've converted their artwork into note cards if they have a collection. But um, like makers, I think artists um, need to uh, have a better um uh, outlet or understanding of the art of business. You know, I think that there is a, um, in New York City, in Harlem, there is uh, an influx of a lot of galleries. You know, a lot of artist space and galleries travel from neighborhoods to neighborhoods. Soho used to be the big art gallery mecca and that slowly moved to the meatpacking district. Well, over the last five years, there's been more prominent galleries that have moved uptown to Harlem because just plainly the real estate is, is you know, you get more bang for your buck. So what my concern is, and what I do not want to see is to have white galleries in Harlem representing black uh, artists, you know, exclusively. I, I, exclusively. I, I really want to see, you know, I, I really want to have some type of uh, relationship or I haven't figured it out, but, you know, something ongoing that um, is uh, um, an appeal to the younger artists to offer them um, an education about, you know, what your worth is. I mean, listen, across the board, makers and artists, you have to know what your worth is because otherwise it's just a hobby. So I'd really like to, to have a platform of the art of business, what it means to make your art, how you value it, how you hang it in a gallery. We did a, um, uh, a program with the Home School of the Arts with their uh, artist uh, art department. And we partnered with a gentleman, a brother who had a gallery. And I said, you know, let's, you know, we, we did it for a month where the students actually came in, hung their art, understood what that meant to actually have a gallery show. You have to have your line sheet. You have to know, you know, how you evaluate it and, and, and all of that. Nyla played a part in that. Um, we did discussions and meet and greets, you know, with the artists. That would be something that would, I would be very interested on starting in Harlem, but then taking it on the road to other neighborhoods, you know, across the, the country. Wow, when you said when you said that, um, you know, it, it happens not just with the artists and I and my team, we call ourselves PRTists, but even in PR, you know, you'll have folks represented like the and even agents, we're talking about agents, you know, LeBron is kind of um, a unicorn they look at because his whole team is black. It wasn't easy to do that. And sometimes it's all about exposure and who you know and that's, you know, I love how you, you put that, but I, I want to make sure I don't forget this because when your guys' space also is a showroom for artists and you can do events there. 
Have you looked into the local governments? They call them requests for proposals, and they have them in every city. I've lived in at least six states, and um, you could get paid just to have a to have the young artist come in. And a lot of times it might be middle school or high school kids, but you might have an artist come in and teach them something for a few weeks or six weeks or 12 weeks. And you, your space can get paid. I'm thinking like now I'm really, I'm doing the consulting for you. <laughs> you can get paid to host it there from your local government, as well as from the other organizations who get this money, especially with COVID and things being shut down and you're able to stick it in. Um, I would definitely look and ask your local SBA, your local PTAC, P-T-A-C, just Google that local Harlem or New York. And I don't know if you guys have looked into those things, but they're in every city, those, those type of uh, uh, grants. No, no, not specifically for the arts, but we do definitely, you know, go through the grant programs and, and finding things that fits, you know, our space, because obviously we're always looking for that, you know, that kind of money, you know. One of the one of the things that we've done since COVID is is we started our artist spotlight series, which uh, uh, began in October, where we featured uh, local artist Wilhelmina Grant, who is a two-time breast cancer survivor and an advocate for cancer for uh, older Black folks, for um, women for men for breast cancer and men for colonoscopies. And um, at the beginning of the month, we did a weekend uh, uh, opening show with her where she does all of her artwork is from found objects. We'll have her artwork up, uh, we'll continue to have her artwork up throughout the end of the month. And then um, after the holidays, we'll resume Artist Spotlight and we'll do the same for some more artists. And to, to the point that Mark made earlier, 100% of their proceeds go to them. So that we charge no fee for them to hang the art or to do the reception. We use our platform, our, our marketing and PR, um, to um, get them, uh, you know, get get their name out there as well. So, so the, that grant idea that you shared is perfect because we still want to be a hundred percent free to the artists, but obviously, if we can get some grant money to just you know make our space available, then it's a win-win. Yeah, people get rich off that. I've I've worked and we've had clients in, in that space, and people, I mean, get really rich. And a lot of times, it's not us. And, right. and why I really push that and PTAC that can show you who in your area has that. So it's nothing you have to pay for. You don't have to pay anyone. PTAC right. is like SBA. And, um, you know, it, it's just funny always because I've been the recipient of those in some way. And it's like the folks at the top, they first cut the money and then they trickle it down to us. And right. when it right. gets to the people it really needs to get to, it's like, that's not even enough. But, right. um, you know, and y'all showed up here in a Bentley and it's, <laughs> you know, it, that, that's, that is interesting. Interessante. Well, I, I love that. And I, I would hope, you know, being in New York, um, you know, that Debbie Allen and her sister Felicia Richard come in and see that and come do jazz hands all through one of your events. <laughs> <laughs> blow it up is that jazz is that what you were doing right there? <laughs> that's my version i, I never yeah. said i was a dancer I, yeah. i'm just you know that's why i'm behind the scenes that was my yeah, my version of uh a jazz hands uh i know stay in my lane people i got you <laughs> well if you would let everybody know where they can find you please sure 
So, so we're in Harlem. We're in the Harlem world on Lenox Avenue uh, between 119th and 120th Street. Uh, we're open Tuesday through Sunday, uh, 12 to 7. It's more, it's more of an experience. You come in, you, you smell the candles, the music's going. We got, you know, Kendrick Lamar playing or we got, you know, all kinds of, you know, jazz grace playing. Uh, but equally important is our online store, which is Shop Nilu, S-H-O-P. N-I-L-U.com, shopnilu.com. And uh, we got about 150 products online now, uh, thanks to people helping us. So, um, and we all kinds of gift guides. We, we, we wrap, we, we gift wrap and we ship. And then we also can do a pickup if you're in Harlem, but you don't want to come into the store, then you can choose the pickup option and we can, uh, we can, we can, you know, we can hand it out to you. Uh, so you don't have to come into the store. When you said you rap, I said, I see, I knew. Music, <laughs> I, started, I said, I knew I knew Mark somewhere. Yeah. Okay. No, no, back, back in the day, I used to play off of, you know, I went to Norfolk State, I used to play off of Albie Shore a little bit, you know, because Light Skin was, was in back in the, 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 the late, night, late 80s, early 90s. So I used to play off of that, but, but I can't rap. Uh, man, black is beautiful everywhere we go, no matter what shade. So it's a beautiful thing. I do have the one more, one more question. Um, I saw that there were some, you know, African style type products. Are you guys um, buying any of your products directly from uh, Africa, or is, is that even an option? Yeah, some of our global products that we offer. Well, most all of the global products that we offer, uh, whether it be from. Um, Africa or South America are, um, are products that are su that support typically women and artisans. So um, we have, uh, yeah, I mean, so that's part of the criteria of our global products that, is, and all of our products have to have something that is uh, redemptive about it, but our global products specifically uh, are ones that are uh, supportive of women artisan. And and in, we we are in Harlem, and there's a you know it's a huge African uh, community. So and they have their own markets, and a lot of times we do business with them directly. Awesome. Are there any products uh, that you're looking for that like you know we'd love to have something from Africa that is this because we don't have it yet and we've never seen it. Well, you know we're always interested in in contemporary art. And, and modern art, um, you know, there are a lot of these uh, stick figures. I think you can see one of them on our website. It's like a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. um, we're always interested in finding, you know, those pieces which are unique and different. Um, but um, yeah, actually on our website as well, if, if people are watching and they make things, um, we have a, a, a page on the bottom of the page is called um, Makers and Artists Sign-Up Sheet. And there everyone can fill out who they are, what's their story, allow them to upload pictures and spreadsheets, you know, of pricing so that we can, you know, start doing business with, with your population. I mean, with, you know, your followers uh, as well. Okay. That's great. That's great. And with buying the products from Africa, have you guys been able to visit any country in Africa? No, no, not as yet. We, uh, we had big plans for 2020 <laughs> as most people did. But no, that's definitely on our, our on our uh, our list. We had a couple of uh, had some friends who were in uh, Nairobi uh, uh, 
out there for a couple of years that we were like trying to get out there to see. You know, we always feel like having somebody feet on the ground who can really kind of show you, you know, the town, so to speak, is key. So that's one of uh, the destinations on our list. Well, no, that you say Nairobi, I okay. You guys got your Swahili ready, ready, you know, <laughs> ready to, to tell them Uhaligani out there in Nairobi, and then uh, Mombasa is where where I love. I will tell you this, and it's a guest. We haven't even aired this interview yet, but check out Susie Beauty and just Google Susie Beauty. How do you spell Susie? S U Z I E. Okay. And it is uh, Kenya's first beauty brand, and they and they cannot get it in the states yet, um, only because you know Susie told me she's like I'm looking for a distributor, so that might be something that maybe only your shop could have. And you know, very nice lady, and in a book called 101 Ways to Make Money in Africa that you can get on Amazon. Um, that book, she didn't even know she was in that book, but they said that business is over a million dollars. She started with very little, uh, I mean, very little. And it's a million dollar bought out business. She's pretty much the face of it and does the you know day-to-day operations. But check that out. And if you really like stuff in Africa and you study that book, don't you can't read it. If you study it, you'll find so many different products where you're like, wait, nobody has one. Okay, good to know. Thank you. Yeah, we do we do sell um, products that have shea butter in it, and so we do. Uh, <laughs> so so anyway, the point being is that um, we're trying to grow the personal care line. That's what that's what we're, that's my point I wanted to make. And and a, lot, and a lot of people, even white people, are now like you know like 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 their eyes are opening up to this to this to this natural resource and 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 personal care. Yeah, and I'm going to put out a rumor, you know, and this is on air, but I'm going to say it off air, too, that you guys are the only store to have vibranium, the real vibranium that they saw. (laughs) 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 Well, I thank you, too, for coming on. Thank you for having us. Hey, hey, can I make make one one quick point? Um, A a thing that Katrina and I probably need to do better at when we, we probably need your help as a PR person, but... One of the things that we need to let everyone understand is that we're trying to create a retail experience for us. There's not that many black retailers. I mean, yes, a lot of black direct to consumer brands, but not many retailers. So we're trying to be uh, uh, a resource for people looking for really meaningful, purposeful gifts that are primarily from not all 100 percent, but primarily from black and people of color from a retail experience. So, you know, when you come in our store, nobody's, you know, um, loss prevention is not on your heels when you come into our store, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we will work with people, you know, we want to educate them and help them be better gift givers. So that's, that's a big thing that I want to start sharing with, with our, our community. Beautiful. You guys heard it. Make sure you visit their website, make sure you like, share, subscribe. And next time you go to New York or if you're online, Get something. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and lots, fish and grits. 
Be sure to visit DiversifyGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.